You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, is the lovely Desiree. It's me! Hello! I feel much better. I'm not sick this week. Yay! Are you having a drink tonight or not? I am. You are? Okay. So, sure. You didn't sound very enthusiastic about that. I don't care either way. (laughs) You're like, yay, you're feeling better. Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me. I like you either way. You like it when I'm sick and I'm like, oh. No, I like you either sober or drunk. Not when you're sick. I was talking about being sick because I'm better this week. Oh, and I asked about are you drinking? I, I am having a drink. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Anyway, should we get right into it? Um... Sure. Why don't Why don't you hit this one off this this week? Oh, okay. It better be good. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, but it's interesting. I thought. Have you ever heard of the returning soldier effect? Um, no, I've heard of shell shock. Yeah, PTSD. this would be completely different. Completely different. The returning sh- is this where they like lose a limb? No, this is um, the returning soldier effect is a phenomenon that soldiers who return from war are more more likely to father sons than daughters. That's exactly, (laughs) the look on your face is the exact thought I had when I first read about it. Um, First study was conducted in 1954, shortly after World War II, um, and they weren't actually looking for this in the study. They were were studying other effects on childbirth and war. And coincidentally, these people and they that, were studying—that's no, exactly what they thought. Coincident, they thought it, you know, it happened to be a coincidence that shortly after World War, shortly or during and shortly after World War II, there were a lot more boys born than girls to people who lived in countries that were at war. Now, one war obviously doesn't mean anything, so they went back and looked, and they looked at World War One era, and they looked at other major wars in countries throughout the world. And it turns out there's about a 3%, 3% increase in boys after war. So are they taking into consideration the Chinese calendar? <laughs> the calendar doesn't have anything to do with when pe- with people being born during war. It has to do with the sex of a child and when they're conceived. Uh, I get, can't, well, many people think so. But anyway. Hey, it was all right on all three of ours. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's, I said many people think so. I'm not arguing it. I'm just saying. I saw your facial expression. Okay. I said enough. Okay. Well, <laughs> all I'm saying is up through World War II, this had an effect. This had a noticeable scientific effect throughout history. It no longer has that effect. And they believe it no longer has that effect because, because war is different. Hold because true. war isn't send your boys to war anymore. It's send the drones and planes and you don't biologically you don't need that strong man to go to war it's the same reason that throughout history sides that win wars are typically the side of people who are taller until recently because that doesn't matter anymore but at one point it did at one point strength of a person and having more males than females mattered when it came to war. So being my brother has gone to war mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. Are you saying our daughter is probably likely to be the only 
girl. No, I'm saying this doesn't have an effect anymore because going to but war now, has. going to going to war after in the modern age does not mean you went and carried rocks on your back and threw them at people or. But he has two purple hearts. No, I know he did. I know he did. And I'm not putting down his service in any, any way, shape, or form. But war is a different animal now than it ever was in the past. The difference in World War II was about 2 to Some 3%. As you go further back in the past, when it used to be really vicious and half the time wasn't, it wasn't even a gun battle, I, then I it had a huge difference. It's not completely like that anymore. But there are... Of course there are. ...troops out there... Like, you were talking to somebody who was in the military and did have training and knows what people do. And people in Afghanistan that are only single people, yeah. it's not they don't have a base camp. No, they don't. But they, they wouldn't really figure into the population having more boys because there's such a small percentage of them there. You know, when we're talking World War II, we're talking, you know, I, I'm just 30% of the out. male percentage. I'm just th- singling them out. If we were to just look at them today. And that, may be, that may be the truth. But when they were studying this, they weren't just studying the soldiers. They were studying the population of the country in the mood they were in. So it's the country as a whole. It's the country as a whole feeling they need more boys. And somehow psychologically, they, they're not. And nobody's, psychologically, nobody has any clue how it happened. The man's white chromosome just dropped off. Nobody has any idea. And nobody has any substantial proof of how it happens. All they have is the data that's there. 3% isn't enough to convince me. Okay. I'm just saying, I thought it was really cool. It is kind of cool, but scientifically speaking. Okay. Like, like if me 3% and my of the population was going to die, I'd be deathly afraid. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so 3%, it depends what you're talking about. 3% can have a big effect on things. It can, but I just. You know, we'd be talking hundreds of millions of people. I just think it was a coincidence. And maybe it was a coincidence. And they, I mean, they studied everything from, you know, in, from basically the dawn of recorded history through that, where they had the information through now. And up till World War II, it was making a difference. After that, it hasn't seemed to matter. But maybe it was, there is a chance. There's always a chance. It was just a coincidence because they don't have any solid facts on this. I just thought it was interesting. It is interesting, and I do like hearing stuff about that. I just have my own opinions. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. So it's really, it's really good theory. <laughs> so, okay. What else you got to say about it? You're That's shifting all. through your papers. That's it. That's it. That's it. Well, it was a good story. I like stories. <laughs> My story to start off with for the first week of February, I pulled something, um, 2020 Black History theme, African Americans and the vote. Okay. It's their theme. One thing I didn't know when I even was talking about this at work, I was like, did you guys know there's a theme every year for this month? I was aware of that, I believe. I had no Vaguely idea. aware of it. No idea. I mean, I... Read some of the things that have come across the internet with mm-hmm. it and stuff like that. But I didn't ever really realize there's a theme. Yep. So when I read the theme, I thought it was really interesting. And I'm like, you know what? I'm bringing this. Okay. So um, the theme, as I had said, it's African-Americans and the vote. So I printed off this thing. 
and I even printed off one for you so you can follow along and correct me on all the wrong words when I say them. But it's on um, the ASALH.org Black History Themes. Okay. If you go to that link, you'll be able to pull up this little poster. This is a flyer is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the year 2020 marks the centennial of the 19th Amendment and the culmin- culmination of women's suffrage movement. The year 2020 also marks <laughs> the sequential, I probably said that wrong, of the 15th Amendment, 1870. Did I say the year for the 17th Amendment, 19th no. Amendment? No, it wasn't in there. It's 1920, though. Said, Centennial. Yeah. Okay. And the right of black men t- to the ballot after the Civil War. The theme speaks, therefore, to the ongoing struggle of part of both black men and black women for the right to vote. This theme has a rich and long history, which begins at the turn of the 19th century in the era of the early republic with the state's passage of laws that democratize, I can't even say it, (laughs) civil word. Okay, Uh, the vote for white men while disfranchising free, free black men, thus... Even before the Civil War, black men petitioned their legislatures and the U.S. Constitution or Congress seeking to be recognized as voters. Tension between um, abolish, this is a tricky word, abolitionist and... Abolitionist. There we go. I'm not not even looking at it. I'm just sure that's what it is. And women's suffrage um, first surfaced in the aftermath of the Civil War while black disenfranchised I just said this word too. Disenfranchisement? Yeah, I just said this. I hated being that kid in class, reading out loud to everybody because my voice would start shaking. I'm doing pretty good, but I don't have 20 other kids looking at me. Um, Laws in the late 19th and early 20th centuries undermined the guarantees in the 4th and 15th Amendments for the great majority of Southern blacks until the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So... I could continue reading this, but everybody can look it up. There's like another little paragraph in here, but I thought this was awesome. I, when I was like, oh my gosh, it's been a whole century since the 19th amendment. And then Mm -hmm. to top it off, it's been, how many years is that to 1870? 150. 150. I'm really bad at math apparently, (laughs) but I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. It is cool. It was definitely cool. But definitely go to that website. You can definitely find a lot of information for this month and kind of educate yourself a little bit because they got some interesting stuff on there. I've always been intrigued by, you know, being Black History Month and looking at and actually reading history from the African-American community is so different than what I learned about in school as a kid and how things That's... were and how things went. And it is an eye-opening thing to take a look in, into and just, just appreciate the history. For sure. For sure. So when I knew it was February, the first thing I went was, I'm bringing this up. Mm-hmm. It needs to be heard. It does. And then I was just going to find a story of some sort that I thought was really interesting and mm-hmm. different from the norm. But then I came across this and I'm like, there's a theme. <laughs> I just figured you picked the story because, you know, 
I'm Mr. Political, who's not allowed to talk politics on this show, and it's a big political day right now today, and it's driving me nuts, so I figured you pulled this story just to rub it in a little. <laughs> no. No, I've done other... No, I know you have. It was just a joke. It was a, I was joking. You weren't joking. Yes, I was joking. Because I have been giving you a hard time a little bit, especially on here. I don't let you talk politics. I know. I, men- I mentioned the suffrage thing like three weeks ago, and you screamed at me for it, the women's suffrage movement, like three weeks ago. Because I didn't know where you were going with it either. Okay. But. Cool, that, cool. That's my first story. Awesome. That's why I'm contemplating going first, just because. Nothing wrong with that story being second. It doesn't have to be first. It's perfect order. It was my turn to go first. I know. All right. Anyway, my second story is a little more fun than my first story. Um, this I like is fun. This is from the nineteen. This is from nineteen seventy 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 something. Hold on, I had it right in front of me, and the then Wonder I lost Years. It. Um, actually, no. This is from nineteen ninety. I don't know why I was thinking seventy. Wow. Maybe that's my next story. We're not that old. Anyway, this is from nineteen ninety. How three cops caught all of Michigan's drug dealers in one fell swoop. One swoop through the state? Uh, one undercover operation. So they all had a meeting. I knew they yeah, had meetings. Kind of. Um, this is in, and I'm going to totally butcher this, and I feel bad. It's but this okay. Is in Did you not hear me? Shawase County in Michigan. Shawaski? Shawasi. It is a square county just a few miles um, west of Flint, Michigan, if you're aware of the Michigan area where Flint is. Um, and about 35 years ago, uh, the area was suffering from a really bad economic downturn. Japanese cars were coming into the country at the time and just being introduced. So the auto industry, which is mainly located in that area, was I thought r- it really died having now. a downturn. The industry has died now. Well, I know. Okay. But it started its downturn then. Gotcha. So a lot of people turned to drugs in a downturn. So there was rampant drug problem in this county, like a really, really, really big drug problem in the county. Um, so the, the local police department decided to, the county sheriff decided to have an undercover operation where they would try to get to know all the drug dealers. In you know the way <laughs> undercover cops would, and not just like, one little sting, hey, but friend. an overall long term high together. Overall long term, you know, I'm gonna be part of your crew or whatever, or be you know, do everything I can to help you type thing. And they got in by arresting a guy named Fast Eddie. He was one of the leading drug dealers. Got arrested. Decided he would play along with the game. I have a cousin who goes by the name Fast Eddie. That's why I giggled a little when you said it. I'm like, are we talking about my cousin? (laughs) (laughs) So now the cops had a great idea and they knew everybody trusted Fast Eddie in this community. So Fast Eddie pretended and told and sent out invitations to all of his buddies that his son was getting married and they they should all attend. (laughs) At uh, about 8 p.m. of the night of the wedding reception, it's a crowd of people, and it's about half and half. About half of the people at this wedding reception are undercover cops, and the other half are drug dealers, because <laughs> it's not a real wedding. And at about 8 Thank p.m. Thank God for that. Could you imagine? At about 8 p.m., the bride lifts up her dress. She is an undercover cop, pulls out a shotgun, says, everybody who's a police officer, please raise your hand. 
Everybody who's not, or no, everybody who's a police officer, please sit down. Everybody who's not, put your hands up. You're under arrest. And they arrested, obviously, not every drug dealer in the state because not everybody's in this in this thing. But about 30 people were arrested at this wedding. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's probably everybody in that county? Well, yeah. probably some outside. I'm too. sure some outside, for sure. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> I thought it was... Uh, just amazing how they put together this undercover sting operation not to catch like one big drug dealer or one big thing but to catch all of them they could think of in one shot (laughs) had a fake wedding that's ridiculous (laughs) all the free whiskey you can drink come on boys and girls and and i mean it was they they set it up like a regular wedding reception they had a wedding cake they had you know all the bells and whistles were there it's just nobody got married look real that's yep. crazy. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was uh, three cops r- arresting the drug dealers in Shawanese or Shawasee County. I want to see the Sha- name of it. Shawasee County. Shangsha. First word of the first paragraph. Shawasee. Shawasee. That's what I kept saying. Shawasee. Anyway, that is my second story. Yay! It wasn't a Desi Downer. No, no downers. Yay! I do have winners and losers in my last story, though, just to let you know. There's always got to be a loser. That's why we what we try to teach the kids. <laughs> yeah, can't win all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, my second story, I'm just on a roll on this February thing. Can you guess what it is? I have no idea. Well, we're in the first week of February. Yeah. So... One holiday that brings thousands of people together from all over the world to celebrate the prediction of a furry forecast. Groundhog's Day. This is the one I was telling you about. I brought something and it wasn't an original part, but we're talking about it at work. And they were like, yeah, you got to do it. So I quickly pulled up the Mm -hmm. history of Groundhog's Day. Cool. So... Uh, the history is a Christian religious holiday of Candlemas Day or Candlemas Day um, has become mostly or most commonly associated with the current celebration, but its roots are older than that. The celebration started in Christianity as the day February 2nd when Christians would take their candles to the church to have them blessed. This, they felt, would bring blessings to their home for the remaining winter because February okay. 2nd kind of falls right in the middle yeah. of the winter solstice mm-hmm. and the spring equinox. Yep. So um, then introduced to Germany, um, or Germany introduced animal um, into the lore, hence another evolution of February 2nd. So according to German lore, the hedgehog saw this his shadow on Candlemas Day. There would be a second winter or six more weeks of bad weather. As German settlers came to the United States, the absence of hedgehogs in the United States, um, a similar hibernating animal was chosen, hence the groundhog. Okay, okay. So I've always thought this whole Groundhog's Day was BS especially living in a area of the country where there's always at least six more weeks of winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say if it sees its shadow, it didn't have this in here. If it sees its shadow 
Um, there's six more weeks. Yeah, if it sees its shadow, it, it gets scared, see, runs back in, and six more weeks of winter. And if it doesn't see its shadow, they're, they expect warmer, sooner yeah, earlier, spring. Earlier spring, yeah. So, but in 1886 marks the first time the groundhog, um, groundhog Day appeared in the local newspaper. The following year brought the first official trek to um, Gobbler's Knob. And then each year since, <laughs> I think it's Sorry. turkeys. I was thinking something completely different, but never mind. <laughs> family show. <laughs> never mind. It, this is a family show? I don't know. I don't know. Each year since then, um, it has been seen steadily increasing in participation with people coming from all over the world. Cool. You'll have cool. to explain to me later, Gobbler's Knob. <laughs> Half mind. of it, I can kind of understand why you're never giggling mind, it, never but mind. you are a guy, so who the hell knows? So no mention of Punxsutawney Phil, huh? <laughs> from, from ground, yeah. Groundhog's Day is one of my favorite movies, like by far a Bill Murray like classic. We were talking about that the other day. We I've never actually saw the movie. It's a really good movie. I've never really saw it. All right. Well, as I said, my final story is about a winner and a loser. I'm the winner. You're the loser. No. L7 Weenie. This start. This story starts with uh, Robert Lane in 1958. Is he related to uh, what's that actress with the Lane? No. <laughs> At I the time in 1958, he was the father of five children. Um, and he w- had this thought of what life might be like if a person truly had a winning name. A winning name? So his sixth son, he named, his sixth child, who was a son, he named Winner. Shut up. Oh, my God. This poor kid. Now. This is where <laughs> names like, I'm not even going to go there. Forget it. When Winner was three years old. <sighs> Loser was born. Shut up! <laughs> Why would you do this to your child? I don't know, but he did. Oh my! <laughs> they were God. his last two children. Oh. The life of Winter Lane. Um. It was very successful. No. He <laughs> went off the rails quite early. His criminal career began at nineteen when he was arrested for burglary. Uh, aggravated assault at 19. Well, yeah, the kid probably got taunted f- in school. A few months later, uh, it was burg- burglary. Uh, he was convicted in uh, breaking into a house on Long Island. Uh, he had committed over 30 crimes in his in his life t- in his lifespan up to the up to the early, late 90s was when this was written. Um, he was released from prison in uh, April of 1989 after uh, for car theft. And to, it is believed when this was written, which this was written about 10 years ago, actually, he was believed to have been living as a homeless person in New York. Aww. Now, the life of Loser Lane. Okay, he was the successful one because he was out to prove everyone. Around the time his brother loser, immersed right? himself in the criminal scene, Loser Lane received a scholarship for a prep school in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked his butt he off. He went to Lafayette College in Pennsylvania where he's excelled as a football player. After college, he joined the New York State Police Department, and his mother said that uh, she pushed him towards that kind of as a as an "I'm sorry" and "please help me" to the world about his brother Winner. Oh. <laughs> um, his colleagues call him Lou. 
thought that go. was interesting. There you know, you if your name's Loser and people call you Lou. Um, he was first promoted to detective and later on to sergeant of a New York police department. Today, when this was written, the two brothers hardly see each other, but occasionally winner will call Loser when he needs money. He needs to borrow some money from him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so that is what can happen if you name your children <laughs> Winner and loser. If you want them to succeed, give them a horrible <laughs> name because it may push them to want to succeed more to prove everybody wrong. It might. And as a winner, you might just think you deserve everything. Oh, so yeah. obviously he went and took everything. I'm a winner. Why do I got to do that? Yeah. <laughs> could very well be true. Oh. Very interesting story. That I was thought, pretty interesting. You know. And uh, like, I just remember picking out baby names. Me and you. Ian was easy. Ian was easy. But a girl's name? I didn't have anything. I had one name picked up and you shot it down the moment it came out of my mouth. And I'm like, I don't know what to do now. We tried everything, like putting letters in a hat and pulling out letters. And (laughs) we tried all kinds of things to come up with a name. Yeah. If you ever do that, at least have three sets of alphabets in there, not just one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work very well with just one. I remember pulling names like, this kind of sucks. (laughs) This is not working the way I wanted it to. But But that's okay. We came up with a beautiful name that fits her perfectly. I was sitting on the couch one day and you were at the computer in the living room and I was watching Days of Our Lives and... and I hope uh, Tristan doesn't listen to this. He's going to be so upset. Why? Because he thinks he named her. After Wally and Eva, he thinks he named her Ava. And now you're going to go and blow the whole thing. He ain't going to listen to this. He tells us he does. He doesn't really. He shares it on Twitter every week. (laughs) And I appreciate that. I really do. But no, she was named after um, a gangster's daughter. (laughs) On a soap opera. And she was temporary character. Okay. And her name was Ava. And I was watching the show and in the midst of watching it, I'm like... What about Ava? And you're like, I kind of like it. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. It works. It works. So, yeah. Anyways, on to the next story. What are we doing in February now? It's nothing in February. Oh, okay. But it has to do with ice. Oh, okay. So, close enough? Close enough. Okay. Siberian Ice Maiden. Okay. So the Siberian Ice Maiden, also known as the Princess of Akok, the and also the Altai Princess. Hmm. So this was fun because I was pulling up these are some Russian words and I was like, how do you say that? And I'm like, it could totally be Russian. So uh, Devachka. Okay. <laughs> I should say that faster. And Ochbala uh, is a mummy of women from the 5th century BC found in 1993 in a Kyrgyz of Pazirik culture in the Republic of Altai, Russia. It was among the most significant Russian archaeologist findings of the late 20th century. So um, the mummy remains of the Ice Maiden were found undisturbed and in a subterranean burial chamber and discovered during the summer of 1993. Cool. So uh, the Ice Maiden was representative of um, the Pazric, or sorry, Pazibric 
<laughs> culture okay. uh, that sure. thrived <laughs> between the 6th and the 2nd centuries BC in the Siberian steppe. The Ice Maiden's tomb was found on top of the um, Akak Plateau near the border of China. Okay. And the pl- plateau um, part of the Eurasian steppe is characterized by a harsh arid climate. And then the area is known by the local people as a second layer of heaven, one step above ordinary people and events. Hmm. So that's how they knew Interesting. that this person was a princess. Yeah, some kind of royalty. So, yeah. Well, they, yeah. So burial chambers were built um, from notched wood logs to form a small cabin which may have resembled a semi-nomad's winter shelter. And then the Ice Maiden's tomb chamber was constructed in this way, In and the wood and other organic materials presented have allowed her burial to be dated. Hmm. So, um... Very cool. I thought it was kind of cool. So, when they started the dig, they found that there was, like, a second... On top of her burial, there was a second... Um, burial. Okay. And it was not somebody noble, but it was more or less somebody like a subordinate people or somebody um, considered too honorable to bury their dead. Okay. Um, but when they started to dig, she was about, they had found she was about 20 to 30 years old. I feel like I missed a big part here. Oh, I did. So I knew I missed it because I was like, wait a minute. So the water, like because the top chamber had actually been um, grave. Now I'm going off a of memory here. Has been robbed. Okay. So the cause of that, the robbers didn't realize there was another, another tomb underneath, underneath okay. it. Yeah. So that was kind of the purpose of the top burial was to oh, prevent. Oh, so kind of like a, a distraction type it, thing. Kind of. Okay. That's so, an interesting but they kind security of measure. Ruined because it was wood and you're looking at Siberia. Yeah. You know, uh, Russia. Water and stuff seeped into her tomb. Okay. So everything was completely froze over. It was an ice block when okay. they found the tomb. So they had to thaw the ice in order to get ever all the artifacts and everything out of there. Makes sense, yeah. Um when they finally were able to do that, um they discovered she was about twenty to thirty years old at the time of death. The cause mm. of the ice maiden's death was unknown, but they do believe it was breast cancer. Okay. Um and because of the way the ice had gotten in there, it preserved her skin. Like, you can see the tattoos clear as day. Oh, that's um, cool. I think I have pictures. I don't. That's the only picture. I have other pictures. Um, but. Wow. It shows, like, clear as day, animal style, deer tattoos, mm-hmm. um, one on her shoulder, another on her wrist and thumb. She was buried with yellow silk, um, Tasha blouse, probably saying that wrong, crimson and white striped wool skirt uh, with tassel belts, thigh-high white felt leggings. Um, that just went to de- go on to describe, like, everything was preserved. Everything was preserved in the ice. 
Interesting. And as the ice did start to melt, though, um, deterioration during her transportation and even um, it kind of resulted in the fading of the tattoos. Yeah. So, but originally they were able to like see everything. She was holding a satchel of marijuana. Um, she was reported to have opium in her and this is probably because of the breast sure, cancer. Yeah. She was taking pain medication yep. like that. Um, and then because of all this, it there did become a dispute between the Russian authorities and the local inhabitants. Okay. Because this is their people. Mm-hmm. These are their graves. They are disturbing them. Yeah. Like, let them rest in peace type thing. So, in 2012, the mummy was returned to a ta- to a ta- bleh, Altai. <laughs> I wanted to say Altari. Atari. I can't even say it now. <laughs> Atari. Okay. <laughs> but it's Altai. Uh, where she was is kept now in a special mausoleum at the Republic National Museum in the cap- capital, uh, Gorno Altai's. So you can go see her, or actually you can't. Future exhibits for this site has been since forbidden. Hmm. Too bad. So I think it's something really cool to see. Well, I've always wondered, like, we go in and we unbury all these people yeah. who have died and I was raised you don't even step on somebody's grave yeah. because it's disrespectful but mm-hmm. yet <laughs> obviously digging them up and <laughs> doing whatever with them is also how, very how many years before it's it's respectable to dig up somebody and it's now I don't know okay for archaeologists to go into the grave and be like hey i'm sure that's a very subjective answer and there's you know depends on your opinion on what's more important if you are of those people you're never probably is i don't really have an opinion because i've always i did think about doing the archaeology thing when i was a child Mm -hmm. because i thought it was cool like egypt was my thing but as i get older i think of things like that like we're just disrupting the people and they were they were laid there and meant to lay there for the rest of eternity not until whenever somebody found them or until they turn back into dirt and decompose back into the earth unlike the ice princess but she's an ice princess so maybe she was supposed to be preserved in that life for eternity maybe maybe. that's very possible didn't happen this poor ice princess and they could refreeze her (laughs) <laughs> oh my god they they could refreeze her yeah we've got the technology yeah <laughs> awesome. no they've already moved her body yep well, that is very interesting very so interesting. i thought it was kind of cool so i didn't realize they had stuff like that in siberia no i didn't either definitely so didn't. when i came across that i'm like what kinda wow cool cool, cool. If you like anything you heard here and you want to make a comment on it or re- or learn more, uh, you can well you can learn more at the website. I'll never start with a website, but outlandishoutcast.com. <laughs> oh uh, you can uh, we'll have links on the site to all the uh, It's the one thing we're paying for. I know. It's, I know. <laughs> and we don't, don't ever website, don't ever though. send anybody there. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to comment on any of our stories, uh, feel free to send us an email at outlandishoutcast at gmail.com. 
Or you can go on to Facebook at Outlandish Outcast Podcast. Leave us a comment. Share, share. our posts. Ask people to like our page. Yeah. Let them know how awesome I am. And if you like me, that's good too. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell people how hilarious I am. You can also follow us on Twitter, Outlandish Casts. Or you can go on to Instagram at Outlandish Outcast. Yeah. Do all those things. I think that's a good idea. And don't be too cold since you had all these February stories. I'm a little, you know, you don't want to be too cold. Stay warm. February is a very cold month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is always cold. Stay warm, everybody. Have a good week. Bye. Thank you.